Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Will you start the fans, please? I've got something for you. This is a little two-minute game. Who's going to play this game? Greetings and welcome to the Pod Rig. This is Under Consultation Extra, a patron exclusive podcast guide through the licorice all sorts of 90s television. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and my wagon won't move unless the track is complete. And a lover of lost dogs and lame causes, I am Ash Versus. This episode of The Crystal Maze aired on the 8th of April 1993. The Bluebells Young at Heart is top of the charts, and we've got a new film at the top of the box office. It's Loaded Weapon 1. National Lampoons, Loaded Weapon 1. From out of the night comes two men with enough courage. <laughs> Enough brains. What you got, Irv? Dandruff, seborrhea, maybe just dry, itchy scale. Have you tried this? I use it. Head and shoulders? Enough bullets. I know what you're thinking. Punk, did he fire 173 times or 174? To get the job done. Hey, Scotty! Can you get this machine to work? I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. If I push it any harder, the whole thing will blow. New Line Cinema presents the cop movie to end all cop movies. Give me a name. Are your parents supposed to do that? Sarge, it's tingling. That means it's working. Until this came up, I had forgotten about the existence of Young at Heart by the Bluebells. And of all the things that immediately leaps to my mind, apart from the chorus and the harmonies on it, is their appearance on top of the pops singing this. I think it was kind of a best of the year because it would have had to have been Christmas. 
mm-hmm. or that time. But I think Top of the Pops did like a best of 93. And I just remember in the middle of the song during one of the violin breaks, the lead singer picking up a stuffed dog from the stage and going, Remember, folks, a pup's for life, not just for Christmas. Remember, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> And I must have seen that Christmas 1993 or New Year's or that kind of time, 1993, round my nans between Christmas dinner and opening presents. Hmm. And it is such a strange but vivid memory to have, honestly, more clarity on it than most of Games Master. I uh, had also forgotten the song and I was only reminded of it recently because I was putting together the ad breaks for episode 22, 21, the one with E17. And I had a Now advert in there for Now 24. And that's one of the big songs on Now 24 is Young at Heart. I don't have Now 24, Luke. I need to put that right. I need to <laughs> add to my collection. And Loaded Weapon 1 at the top of the box office. I, I was glad that this came up because we thought that this was going to come into our Games Master timeline, but then found out that it basically is like the week after Games Master Series 2 ends. But I'm a big, big fan of this movie. I think it's really, really funny. I think it's it, it's actually... It doesn't get talked about a lot in terms of like the great parody movies of the time, but I think it's got like an incredible cast of Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson. Tim Curry is doing some great work in there saying the microfilm. But it's it's really, really good. And I, I think it's highly underrated. I mean, looking elsewhere in the cast, you've got you got Bill Shatner in there, Shatnering mm-hmm. it up. But they didn't just keep it to Bill Shatner. They got some other Trek alumni in there. James Doohan appears as Scotty. But other Star Trek alumni in there as well. Whoopi Goldberg has an uncredited appearance. It's also got one of my favourite cameos as well in Bruce Willis when they, uh, they they do the scene from uh, Lethal Weapon 2 where they blow up the uh, his trailer. And they, they blow that up and actually out comes Bruce Willis instead. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, is this uh, 1014 Pacific Coast Highway? Ah! 1014 Pacific Coast Highway. No! This is 814 Pacific Coast Highway! 1014 is two blocks up that way! Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, no problem! I think this was the last kind of era of this sort of parody movie where they were dumb, but also smart. And by that I mean they, they actually had a plot. They had something that followed through. You had this, you had Hot Shots, you had Hot Shots Part Deux, which... Controversy, I think, is better than the first Hot Shots. Oh, it's got one of my favourite jokes in that is when they're trying to they they run up to the white picket fence and he leans over, grabs the padlock, and he goes, "Damn, it's locked from the other side." My favourite is when they're doing the scene on the boat, and Charlie <laughs> Sheen and Martin Sheen cross paths. Yeah, because they parody so many different films and genres. You've got Rambo being parodied in there, Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, Star Wars. Yeah. Do you remember a time when Saddam Hussein was a lovable comedy character? Because he <laughs> was in this film. He you was. also had you also had Mel Brooks still going at it with Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. And less so with Dracula Dead and Loving It. That was kind of oh, where it really began. Yeah. Oh no, come on, it wasn't that great. <laughs> and I love Leslie Nielsen, but he still yeah. had better work ahead of him. And I think it really fell apart, and this may also be controversial, with Scary Movie. 
that's what I was going to say because you he had like don't be a menace to the South Central when you're drinking your juice in the hood which I do think is really funny and I do love scary movie the scary movie becomes like the the downfall I think that's the point of the downfall because I think a lot of people misunderstood what that film achieved well like literally that movie is scene by scene of scream but with the you know some jokes and some parody stuff along the way and I think people sort of misunderstood what made scary movie funny and then you, then it just became let's just say this is a reference this is a reference this is a reference there's no connective tissue to these together but look it's the guy from 300 that's funny right because you've seen 300s I did like the scary movie where they spent a good chunk of time sending up signs scary movie 3 yeah that's really good that, that one was pretty good uh, Kevin Smith had a hand in writing that he was one of about a dozen people that worked on that script it's no wonder it was so incoherent <laughs> but you didn't just have scary movie there was hero movie that's it, yeah. epic Roma- movie epic movie yeah it became more like a Kentucky Fried movie than an actual coherent that's cohesive it, yeah. plot it was almost a, it was almost a case of here's an episode of Saturday Night Live where the sketches are kind of themed. And you know what? If you liked it and you watched it, more power to you. I've got some terrible movies in my collection. I love some terrible movies. I just spent an entire bank holiday watching a week, uh, an entire bank holiday weekend watching 15 horror movies, Mm -hmm. some of which I genuinely want my time back. So I'll (laughs) never criticise anyone for liking Scary Movie, but I do think that they were the mark of the end of the smart parody movie. I completely agree, yeah. And if you are listening to this and you, you're thinking to yourself, man, I haven't seen a good parody movie in years and you've not seen Loaded Weapon 1, I highly recommend it. I think it's really, really worth a shout. But that's a little bit of chat about the movies and the music. I won't ask you what's in the magazines, Ash, but please Words. do tell us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what magazine we'd pick. What was in the Radio Times this week? Uh, but what we can talk about is the history of the Crystal Maze. Certainly, because the Crystal Maze was not going to originally be the Crystal Maze. The Crystal Maze started as an attempt to localise Fort Bayard. Pilot was filmed in London in kind of a makeshift set because they realised that due to repair and maintenance work, they wouldn't be able to use the actual Fort Bayard set that was used for the French series because it was a real sea fort. Yeah. Now, a British version did eventually appear years down the line, It's like the late 90s with Melinda Messenger, right? And Leslie Grantham. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from him. (laughs) Kind of creepy. But because the fort was unavailable, they created a makeshift set at Elstree. It was funded by Channel 4. They tried to replicate what was used in the original show. And basically the pilot bombed. The owners of the Fort Boyard copyright weren't happy with it because the amount of changes they felt had to be made to make it palatable. Bucky O'Hare is, mm-hmm. to a British audience. However, Channel 4 had already commissioned Chatsworth Television to make a full series. Now, Chatsworth Television already made Treasure Hunt and Interceptor, which was broadcast over on ITV, which were also games created by the creator of Fort Boyard, Jacques Antoine. So they went back to him and went, OK, so we're not going to make Fort Boyard. How would you feel about developing an old alternative format and they proposed the idea of using themed zones to help keep it visually fresh and they went to work during a visit to Paris they went to see a crystal dome that had already been created (laughs) and Antoine showed the producers a rough sketch of a set design with the dome in the middle and four sets surrounding it so all the different themed zones and essentially 
the concept of the crystal maze was created in about two days. Yeah, it's a really, really short time frame. Like between the, the turnaround of them realizing the Fort Boyard series was not going to work and then that becoming the crystal maze is an incredibly short amount of time. And in a difference to the Fort Boyard, where there was definitely kind of a protagonist and an antagonist on-screen presence, the Crystal Maze had almost a dungeon master. It was more like D&D. They had a guide through this world, and the person first cast in the role was legend of Rocky Horror stage and screen Richard O'Brien. And I think like even in interviews, he said that it was kind of pitched to him that he would be the dungeon master to this kind of D&D world. And he was, I, I think as well, he was the host of the pilots that they had done for Fort Boyard as well. So clearly they were very high on him to do this show. And when you see where he goes in this series and how he deals with contestants of varying abilities, it's understandable because one, he is reacting to what's going on in front of him. Two, he has a constant voice in his ear from the producers up in the gallery. And he also has to feel dead air. If a contestant is working on a challenge and they're not doing very well and the team are just burbling, he needs to vamp. So out oh, yeah. comes the mouth organ, yep. out comes the soft shoe. He starts playing with bits and pieces that, are, that after a while were deliberately left on the set. So he had things to work with. Hello, Richard O'Brien here, your genial guide to the Crystal Maze. Six adventurers have gathered here in order that they might pit their wits and skills against the many fiendish and devious games which lie in wait for them in the four adventure time zones within the Crystal Maze. Now, if they're clever or very, very lucky, they may win the odd time crystal or three. And the more time crystals they win, the more time they get to spend inside the crystal dome, where they might win some fabulous prizes. Or maybe not so fabulous prizes. And if you ask most people their memories of the crystal maze, it won't be a game. It won't be a set of contestants. It will be Richard O'Brien and or Mumsy. As much as I enjoyed the series that came after this with Ed Tudor Pole, I don't think he was as good at it as Richard O'Brien was. And actually watching back this episode, you really, really get a sense of like, God, he's so good at this job. I feel bad for Ed Tudor Pole because at least part of the reason he was cast in the role to succeed after Richard O'Brien left is because in the late 80s and early 90s, he stepped into Richard O'Brien's role in a West End revival of the Rocky Horror Show. Hmm. You remember the record I sent you a picture of the other day? Yeah. I was sorting through my albums over the bank holiday weekend while watching 15 horror movies because I am that fucking rock and roll. <laughs> and I found a double LP of the Rocky Horror Show from the 90s, which had Aid Edmondson as Brad, Tim McInery as Frankenfurter, Gina Bellman as Janet, and as Riff Raff, Edward Tudor Pole. So they brought him in thinking, well, he played Riff Raff, so he'll be a natural successor. His character as the Maze Master was actually very different. He was a little darker, a little more sinister. He wasn't just going to copy Richard O'Brien which I kind of think they wanted him to. I feel bad for him on that. Yeah, totally. Richard goes through the show kind of being above it all 
and taking it seriously but not with any degree of reverence he plays into the bits of the mythology that makes sense to him and ed tudor pole did that as well but he did it in a much different way he played up the time travel element because we've got different zones we've got aztec zone we've got futuristic zone we've got industrial zone which is meant to be present day we've got medieval zone which is medieval Mm -hmm. and then at the episode we're watching now industrial zone is out and ocean zone is in aboard the ss atlantis yeah so they're all meant to be different periods in time and to some degree space as futuristic zone is a space station it's not always clear in these early seasons because there are no windows looking out onto space but it's meant to be a futuristic space station and ed tutor pole just saw that as a setting and played into it so he's like oh we're traveling in time and His character didn't really lend itself to helping the contestants. He seemed irritated by them more than Mm. anything else. Whereas Richard O'Brien was guiding them, and as we're going to discuss, sometimes lended more than a helping hand. Yeah. Uh, I suppose, because I I loved the Crystal Maze watching this as a nepper in the 90s. Uh, And thank you to everyone that voted for this to win as well. It was a a very tight poll that we posted. It tied originally with Gladiators in the first poll that we did. Poor old Krypton Factor coming in last with 4% of the vote and Funhouse in third with 16. But yeah, joint first 40% each for the Crystal Maze and Gladiators. And when we did the second poll between gladiators and the crystal maze it was still a dead heat and i thought we were gonna i don't know how we were gonna work it out but in the end the crystal maze pulled ahead with 67 percent of the vote and i'll be honest it was the one i was really hoping was going to win because i was really looking forward to revisiting this show because i've also recently enjoyed revisiting this show through the new series that they've done on channel four with richard iowadi presenting and i think that richard iowadi has done a fantastic job of creating a sort of new persona to be the host of this show. He's great in it because he has, to a degree, deconstructed the Crystal Maze. It's something I've often argued with about what they should do if they bring back things like Bullseye or, as they have done, Supermarket Sweep. Mm -hmm. You've got iconic presenters. You've got ideas that maybe don't hold up as much under close scrutiny. So bring someone in that's going to tear it down, acknowledge its weaknesses acknowledge the more ludicrous aspects but be in on the joke have some fun with it so if i was to bring back bullseye jimbo in the original presenter dave spiky spivey was on the reboot bring it back now i get johnny vegas to do it yeah absolutely it needs to be that kind of working man comedian that bowen was slightly disheveled slightly out of his element and if you want to look at a comedian that always appears to be out of his element you don't get much more out of their element than Johnny Vegas. And there is no way that he would be accused of emulating Jim Bowen. There's just as there's no way anyone could look at the second Richard and accuse him of emulating the first (laughs) Richard. He has his own characteristics. He won't touch hands. He won't shake hands. If crystals are given to him, they have to be placed on his stick, which has a hand at the end. (laughs) And the way he ends shows as well, going, thank you for watching, if indeed you still are. And you mentioned as well, like, the, you know, what people will remember from the show. And particularly, you know, I don't think I could tell you a specific episode that I remember watching or specific challenges. I remember specific zones because, like, the Ocean Zone was one of my faves. Oh, same. Um, yeah, love the Ocean Zone. But I do remember Richard O'Brien. 
you know, when we posted up that we were doing this in the Discord, the first responses we got when we posted about it on Twitter, the first responses we got were people just saying, will you start the fans, please? He was as important to this show as the Zones were. Literally, the only thing more iconic than him in this show is the Crystal Dome. Mm -hmm. You can replace all the Zones. You can replace Industrial with Ocean. You can replace Medieval with um, Asian Zone, I think is in the current series. You can make all these changes. You can go from the rundown, kind of Red Dwarf alien-style futuristic zone and make it much shinier and spanglier, as they've done in the new series. But you can't replace that basic concept of that dome because it's where everything begins and it's where everything ends ends yeah i don't think this is the last time we're going to take a trip to the crystal maze i don't see us stopping at one episode we're not gonna it under consultation is not going to turn into under the dome although that's a good name and no <laughs> one steal it under the dome cast but there is so much entertainment to be taken from the show on so many levels because you have the contestants and sometimes they're the plucky underdogs sometimes they run away with it sometimes they are just a greek tragedy of a team but no matter which of those there are, you've got Richard O'Brien or Ed Tudor Pole or Richard Ayardi taking you through this zone and providing their own flavour, their own vamping. I don't think I've ever watched an episode of The Crystal Maze where I've gotten bored. No. Oh, absolutely not. And notice to our main podcast, there are some episodes of Games Master that really, really can feel laboured. Mm hmm. Yeah, if you get a challenge on Games Master that doesn't appeal to you, or if it's a celebrity guest that does not appeal to you, those segments can really drag. And when I loaded this up, I first thought it was like, oh, wow, 49 minutes. The show is longer than I remember it being. But it did not feel like it was 49 minutes by the time that I'd finished it. It just, it races by, particularly because each challenge is quite short and you just stop jumping onto the next one. But I also, I do think it is Richard just guiding you through and just being an incredibly... Even when you're watching a challenge, he's doing a bit. He's always on the go. And there are bloopers out there on YouTube that I do recommend people check out because what you are seeing in those bloopers is you're not just seeing the outtakes and when things go terribly wrong, you are also often hearing the voice that was in Richard's ear while things mm. were going on, including when a contestant is ballsing up a really easy challenge. Make it go right. She's not giving it enough right, is she? Oh, come on, darling. Give it some right hand. Oh, what? Make it go right. Ron, send for the child of three, please. <laughs> and credit to Rick, he keeps a straight face through all of it, no matter what's being said. But one last element to talk about at this point, and I think what we should use to take us into the episode, that theme music. Oh, so good. I am. Um, so I finished watching this episode this morning for the second time. And I, I, it was before I'd had my breakfast. I was just having a cup of tea, just going through my notes. And I left the, I left the office. I walked into the kitchen where my wife was making breakfast. And I would just say to myself, dun 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 dun. And my wife just sort of went dun 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 dun. And then poor loves had it stuck in her head all day. I thought you were about to say, and then our neighbours joined in with dun 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 dun. 
It's like Bohemian Rhapsody. Once it's in your head, it's not going anywhere for a while. And of course, as we said, they brought it back. And you know, the one thing that hasn't changed, it's that theme music. The dome's been redesigned. The zones have been redesigned. The theme music is the same. Respectful Rick here, the lover of lost dogs and lame causes. Three boisterous boys and three gregarious girls have laughed in the face of fortune and undertaken the awesome challenge posed by the crystal maze. They have a pitiful 60 minutes in which to collect as many time crystals as possible. The more they collect, the greater their chances here at the Crystal Dome, with the unlikely possibility of winning any sort of prize whatsoever. So Richard O'Brien welcomes us to the show. He's a lover of lost dogs and lame causes. And boy, howdy, does the team tonight seem to resemble <laughs> at least one of those. He's welcoming three boisterous boys and three gregarious girls who have laughed in the face of fortune to take on the challenge posted by the Crystal Maze. It's impossible to read these lines without immediately starting to do an impression of a good old reckless Rick. Your, your hands just went up into the air there when you started getting a flair for the dramatic. I... I can't help it. <laughs> Honestly, you go back to this period in time and you ask my dream job, at least one of them will be hosting the Crystal Maze. <laughs> and I do have a slight note of bitterness because I know at least two people that have hosted the Crystal Maze via the live experience. But they have 60 minutes to collect as many time crystals as possible before taking their chance in the Crystal Dome. There is an unlikely possibility of them winning some sort of prize. Yeah, unlikely being the key word on this episode. <laughs> Unlikely being the keyword on many episodes, because you know what? Not many teams walked away with any sort of meaningful prize. No, and I was going to, I mean, not to blow my load a little bit too early, but one of the notes I do have when they get to the crystal maze at the end is like, fucking hell, there's a lot of silver notes on that floor. Like, <laughs> so many silver notes. One issue with the crystal dome, and I say this as someone that did the crystal maze live experience when they were still beta testing. I managed to get in on an early pre-launch show. Oh, cool. Is once you go into the dome and also you have lighting and they're metallic, telling the gold from the silver is really difficult. And honestly, all those things on the floor, they may be silver, they may be gold. Under that lighting and with the light being reflected off everything, difficult to tell. Well, let's meet the team that will hopefully do better than we're giving them credit for. Who's playing this week, Richard? There's Chris Whitmore, 18 years old from Stroud and a student. Mandy Horsey, 26 years old from Maidstone and a house mother. Tim Lewis, 25 years old from Merseyside and he's a computer programmer. Seema Gupta, 19 years old from Sutton Coldfield and a student. Jerry Price, 31 years old from Bristol an electron microscopist. And lastly, Paula Jones, 24 years old from Bury in Lancashire, and she's a teacher, and Paul is also the team captain. So we've got Chris Whitmore, 18, from Stroud, who's a student. Mandy Horsey, 26, from Mainstone, a house mother. Tim Lewis, 25, from Merseyside, who's a computer programmer. Seema Gupta, 19, from Sutton Coldfield, a student. Jerry Price, check this out. The oldest of the bunch, 31, from Bristol. He's an electron microscopist. That is a heck of a title. That's a specific title. It's like, what does Jerry do? 
Oh, he works over there in the lab with the electron microscope. What else does he do? No, that's it. Mm. He sits with the electron microscope waiting for something that needs to be electron microscoped. (laughs) And our team leader, Paula Jones, 24 from Borough, and she is a teacher, which we later find out is PE. As we all know, those who can teach and those who can't teach, teach PE. Or as Holly and Red Dwarf said, he's got an IQ of 6,000, which is the same as 6,000 PE teachers. There's a lot of punching down goes on with PE teachers, but you know what? That's actually kind of fair enough because most of the PE teachers I knew did a lot of punching down of their own as PE teachers. Absolutely, yeah. I knew one nice PE teacher in my time at school, and that's only because I genuinely think he'd had so many concussions he forgot he was a PE teacher. Oh, dear. It was great. Most of the time we played basketball, which I was very happy with (laughs) because it was one of the few sports I was moderately competent at. Paula, Jerry, Tim, Chris, Mandy, Seema. Here you are. What do you hope to get out of this journey through the crystal maze? Lots of crystals. Lots of crystals? <laughs> it is a spiritual journey as well. You do understand that, don't you? A kind of rites of passage, a cathartic experience for all of you. You will be different people, nicer people at the end of the day. First of all, you have to enter, well, through that door, really, if you want to go into the future, and the computer's going to let us in after we answer a question. Ask a question, please, computer. Would you, would you, would you care to do that? Yes? What name is given to the temperature of minus 273.15 degrees Celsius? Zero Kelvin. Absolutely zero. Absolutely zero. That is the right answer, isn't it? Possibly. Yes or no? Maybe. Yes or no? Oh, it's correct. It is the right answer? Then why don't you open that door? Call the whistle inside. Well, Richard meets this team. Paula is hoping to win lots of crystals. Oh, Paula, you've no idea. Um, Richard thinks, though, that this is going to make them much nicer people as they come out the other side of this before we head into the future zone. But, Ash, before we get there, I believe the computer has a question for us. This is probably one of the few moments where the team actually shine. They get this (laughs) question immediately. I had no idea. Although I used to live with a lad called Kelvin. Was he cool? He was a little bit, actually. He was quite a cool dude. There we go. (laughs) Clearly, his parents looked upon him when he was born and went, you're going to be cool. We're going to call you Kelvin. But yeah, Richard does remind them that this is going to be a spiritual journey, rites of passage, a cathartic experience. It's almost like he can see the future. As we head into our first zone, it's Future Zone. Well, Mandy is up first for a mental game. Uh, What was the time frame on this one? This was a two-minute game, and the basic goal of the game was extinguish all the lights. Five buttons will put these lights out in the right order. If you push a button that's not part of that sequence, all the lights will come back on. This is a sort of puzzle you get in video games a lot nowadays. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's basically like stuff like this in the um, the Spider-Man game on the ps4 i think i've seen it in some of the bioshock games as well and i think one of the dishonored games you have to press switches in the right order to eliminate all the lights there is a logical way to work through this and the team even offers some encouragement and some advice and it is difficult to tell whether mandy is listening to them or whether she's just punching buttons like a lab rat hoping for a piece of cheese. I think it's a little from column A and a little from column B. I don't think she can hear them. But she says she can. Yeah, but like they, she also doesn't hear them when they're giving her the time countdown either as they get to the end of this. But it, I'm not surprised she can't hear them because she is just hitting the buttons over and over and over again. 
at one minute left in this challenge, she is no closer to completing it than she was when she first walked in. And someone's someone's great bit of advice is go faster if you can. To quote, go faster if you can. She does say that she's using a tactic and is trying to remember what order she pushed them in. And my thought and note was trying is not going to win this challenge because there are 30 seconds left. She's made no more progress. There are 20 seconds left. She's made no more progress. 15 seconds, which Richard announces, then 10, then 5, and then she's locked in because at no point until maybe two seconds left did anyone on the team think to shout, oh, you've got to come out. Sorry, honey. Got a lock in there. What are you going to do? That wow. was a bit silly. She wasn't that far away from the door. But you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to remember, when I give you 10 seconds, now it's, it's, it's you guys who've got to count that down. I, you know, I'm not going to do your countdowns for you. All I can do is open the door, and I won't open that door until she bangs on it, OK? That's right. So, never mind! She waited until, like, the last seconds to even walk towards the door. And she gets locked in, and Richard, like, has to then sort of reprimand them, be like, I gave you a 10-second warning. It is up to you to then let them know there's a 10 second warning and I can't open the door unless you bang on it. Paula just stares at him <laughs> because at that point she realises she is completely out of her depth. Yeah, she is leading a team trying to win time crystals and on challenge one, they've already lost a player. And she's a teacher. Kids can be so cruel and that's not permission, that's just a statement. And Rick just continues saying that was a bit silly, she wasn't that far away from the door. <laughs> <laughs> and Paula, at this point, finally wakes up and goes, that's right, as if suddenly admonishing the rest of her team because she knew it all along. <laughs> Truly, she is a teacher. Well, Seema is up next for a skill game. What was the time frame on it? This was a two minute, 30 second challenge. And Rick is already taking pity on them because he says there are three things that can be done. Only two of them need to be done to unlock the crystal. Yes. And what this essentially is, this is playing air hockey with a leaf blower. I wish I could take a screenshot of my screen because my wording my wording is it's air hockey with a leaf blower. <laughs> Unfortunately, the actual challenge is an exercise in tepidness. Oh yeah. Because there is maybe one occurrence where she gets close to getting one of them in. Now, if you get these discs that are floating around back into their receptacles because you've got a circular playing field, three receptacles, three discs. The magnets will hold them in place. You don't have to worry about it bouncing out. That's good. That's fine. And the advice she's being given is sound, which is short, controlled bursts. It's the same advice you offer to a colonial marine in Aliens, and it applies here as well. And for the most part, she doesn't listen. And this is not going well. And Rick clearly knows it, and the producers know it, because he chooses to monologue to the camera. Wait and see. That'll be a new fashion. You see, down the high street, everybody wearing their gloves inside their boots. I mean, how often have you seen young people today with their shirts tied around the waist? I bought that fashion back. Me. Well, just leave it now. Talking about his new fashion discovery, Luke, what was his new fashion discovery? His new fashion trend is putting gloves inside your boots. Up and down the high street, everyone will be mirroring this fashion choice. Glove in boots, mark his words. I wish that this had turned out to be a thing. I will say that when I've been wearing like sturdy boots, either as part of a costume or maybe even welly boots when I'm out in the mud, going down the rivers, whatever, 
I have on occasion tucked gloves into my boots. So maybe there was that influence. Maybe Richard O'Brien back in 92, 93, he, he got into my head. He planted the seed. Absolutely. I mean, he does take credit for like the, the, the fashion trend of tying shirts around your waist. I'll give him that because I've got no evidence that will prove to the contrary. And it's just as well he's giving us fashion chips because this challenge has all the excitement of JCB Ballet. Yeah, there's a point where she nearly scores the yellow one, but it bounces out. And then she nearly gets it again, but it bounces off the red one that's just sort of floating around aimlessly. And and Richard actually looks at what's going on at this point. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, So the time runs out. She leaves. Didn't score a single one. So we're two games, two losses. <laughs> is that a good try? I know, it's really frustrating. Very frustrating. <laughs> it ne- is really never frustrating. Mind, you're out, you're free. At least you're free. <laughs> and Richard does say, never mind, you're out and safe. Not like Mandy. <laughs> Poor old Incarcerated. Mandy. <laughs> okay, well, we've got one more game in the future zone, and it's the mystery game. And Chris is going to be doing this one. What's he playing, Ash? This challenge is, in theory, very simple. There are four pads, and there is a crystal at the bottom of a tube. There are four notches which it needs to rise up. There are four weights. One weighs two kilograms, one weighs one kilogram, and two weigh half a kilogram each. There is also a metal platform or bridge-type structure. So the goal will be each platform should have one pound of weight on it, the crystal will rise up, the crystal will be retrieved, Five seconds of time in the Crystal Dome. It's relatively simple. And in fact, the team outside get what's going on. They're like, use the bridge. Use the bridge. And at one point, he does use the bridge upside down so it doesn't sit. So he just takes it off and puts it to one side and spends almost the entire time just moving the weights between all the different pads. Yeah, he... I mean, my note here is like, he is instantly confused and it does not change by the end of this task because he moves the half onto one, turns out it doesn't do anything. So he puts the half onto another one, well, it doesn't do anything. Puts the half onto another one, doesn't do anything. Meanwhile, the team are shouting outside, it needs to have a whole one on it. And he just, he doesn't put it together. In the end, with about 10 seconds to go, he basically works out what needs to be done. But by that point, it's far too late. We've had two minutes of him taking weights off and on again. Crystal goes up, crystal goes down. Crystal goes up, <laughs> crystal goes down. Wow. Now, chaps, I'm going to get cross with you because it's such a little simple equation, that is now, and it took you two minutes to get to, to work that up. Not, much your, not so much your fault because you're in... You're in there and you're, you're looking at all the variations. But us outside here, we should have been able to solve that situation for him so easily. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Oh boy, Richard is cross now. He says the team should have helped him. They say to, He says to Chris, don't blame yourself. It's their fault. <laughs> Problem was, they were saying useful advice. Unfortunately, they were all saying it at the same time. Yeah. And this is something this team is very good at, is talking over each other and not being cohesive with the message they're trying to get across. Absolutely, yeah. Here we are, end of zone one, end of futuristic zone. We have zero time crystals and one lock-in. And not the fun kind of lock-in. This is the poor schmuck sat in a cold, small room kind of lock-in. Oh, she looks so sad in that lock-in. She does. She looks like she's locked in to a small metal room, really. Yeah. With nothing to sit on. Well... 
Let's hope they have more luck in the Aztec zone. It's good to hope. <laughs> okay, now where are we going to? We're going to go to this way, front to Aztec, into the lift. What's that? That's one zone played, three games played, none won, one person locked in, not doing too well. All that's left for us to do is go onward and up. If you like Blackpool, you'll love life at Carla Grand. We're, We're one, one big, big happy, happy family. family at one of the Northwest's favourite caravan owners' club parks. It's happy days and happy nights with, with fun, fun for everyone. everyone. Weekends will never be the same again when you own your own caravan at Carla Grand. Come for a free guided tour and see our superb facilities and great range of caravans. Ring Blackpool 872 now for your free day pass. That's 872 Second zone, bereft of crystals, one person locked in, only five of you left. What's the game plan, Captain? This is our zone, I think. This is this your is zone? Yeah, this is okay. it. <laughs> well, you've got to win a lot. You do got have to, to win a lot. You have to, you, you do. You, you've got, time will tick away, it'll just run away with you. So what are you going to play? Well, Paula seems to think that there is hope here because she says this is going to be their zone. This is definitely the one she's got the most confidence in. And Richard says, yeah, you need to win because you're 0 for 3 at the moment. I loved the Aztec zone. I think throughout all the series, it's probably my favourite consistently because via the dressing and the plants, and particularly at this point, one of the ways to enter the zone was by paddling down a river. Yeah. This felt like a different world. They had nice painted backdrops, the lights were blaring, the sand the bird noises, the insect noises. And also, Richard often looked like he was kind of dressed for some kind of safari, so this one often felt like he was in his element a bit. Yeah, I really, really like the Aztecs. So the, the aesthetic of it is really, really cool. And when I did the Crystal Maze Live, it was one of my favourites then because they didn't just have bright lights overhead, they had heat lamps. Oh, cool. So as you were moving around, you felt the heat coming down from above. Now, if you looked up, you just saw a ceiling painted blue. But if you didn't, you kind of felt like you were somewhere special. So I was excited to go into this zone and I was hopeful for them. I believe this team could turn things around. Everyone can have a ropey start. Luke, it's oh, fine. Yeah. They can Absolutely. come back from this. They can do this. I believe in the power of Tim. He's got two minutes and a mystery game. Absolutely. And all he's got to do is just flip things over until it spells out the crystal maze. Yeah, it's a word puzzle with different flaps. You flip a flap, you make a word. It's simple. How difficult can it be? Bloody difficult, apparently. Bloody difficult. Crystal maze. So turn the top over. And is it that blank one? Yeah. The top one's got I to turn over. The I do. I, I like this team. Top. Turn it over. They're young. That's what I like about it. I like being with young people. They keep, they keep me young. Keep me feeling young. Turn the one in your right hand over. That's it, yeah. Richard likes this team because they're young. And that makes him feel young. 
And he's got to do this because what we get is two minutes of this lad flipping the same bits over and over again. And the team on the outside go like, oh, you got it. Oh, no, you haven't got it. Oh, you got it. Oh, no, we did that one before. Oh, we got it. Oh, no, not that time. Yeah, one minute we have the Crystal MZA, that well-known rap group. Then at 40 seconds, we've got the Crystal May, who's probably a stripper from Vegas. And then 15 seconds and 10 seconds and he's out. Well, okay. Oh, never mind. Am I to take it that it didn't succeed? <laughs> Correct. Oh. Yeah, it's difficult. It's a difficult game. Yeah. And it's very frustrating. You think you're nearly there and you kind so of get, near, it gets lost. It? <laughs> All right, so... And Richard just turns to him and says, Am I to take it you didn't succeed? <laughs> Yeah, he kept making the same mistakes in that room. He just went around in circles, like with the weight and pressure pads. And while, yes, we are maybe being a bit harsh to this team, and apologies if for some reason some of them hear this, man alive, you guys are all adults and you stunk at this. And I get what it's like when you do get faced with a task and your brain goes blank and you just keep going around and around, but oofed, it doesn't look good. Uh, the morale on this team feels so low at this point because there's we've played four games. We've got no crystals and one of our teammates is locked in and they look so downtrodden as Jerry heads into his next skill game. Yep, it's a two minute game and essentially you could put it down as being gag the gods or feed a toddler, depending on what your life experience is. Because the goal is to roll balls down a ramp into the mouth of some gods where the jaws are moving up and down and stop the jaws. You jam up the mechanism with tennis balls, essentially. It's like a fun carnival game. There's a few games we're going to see here that are fun carnival games. And this one, like, I was really starting to worry for this team now, but my man Jerry, my man Jerry on this card, he absolutely nails this. He gets it, whoop, there's the first one, whoop, there's the second one. The one at the top, they even say, like, you've got to give it a good of a throw because he needs to, like, almost loop it off the end in order to get it in. And his teammates say, like, I'll go for that one last. Nah, not my man Jerry. Whoop, first try, nailed it. It wasn't first. It was barely, basically first. It was in my mind, in my mind's in your, eye. In your mind. It was close. But no, the key thing he does here is he ignores the people outside and he's got a plan <laughs> yeah. and he sticks with it because he wins. He gets the crystal with a minute left on the clock. Five games played, one crystal won. Everyone touches the crystal just to make sure the ethereal is actually real and that crystals can be an obtainable thing. Oh, and didn't this just boost the morale of this team? It boosted the morale. They believed there was light at the end of the tunnel. They also didn't release Maria immediately, which a lot of teams that are down on their luck do because they somehow believe that the first person to get locked in by having them back will somehow make them a better team. Spoilers, it really doesn't. Let's hope this continues because Chris is up next playing a mental game, Ash. It's a two minute game and essentially this is dominoes crossed with a Rubik's Cube where you have to match symbols but not colours. And he wins this by ignoring the team and just getting the job done. One minute left on this one, win a crystal, No bother. Redemption for the fiasco with the weights and the pressure pads. They are on an absolute roll now. Yeah, there's a point in this where, like, Chris is making excellent progress and Paula is shouting it from the outside. Monkey purple. Wrong information. She keeps telling him to move them when he doesn't need to. And he just, as you say, ignores them puts them in the right position, grabs the crystal, saunters on out like an absolute boss. Ten seconds of time, says Rick. 
How gung-ho of us. Well, let's see if Paula, team captain, can actually get a crystal herself as she steps into this physical game. It's a 2 minute 30 second game and the goal of it is to use a set of varying length pipes to complete a track for you to bring a minecart back along, unlock it, retrieve the crystal. And Rick says he thinks she's going to do alright this Paula, she's a P teacher. And then he addresses the camera. She's going to do alright this Paula, she is a P teacher. So if you are pupils of Paula's and she doesn't do very well, I want you to promise me that you won't be nasty to her in the playground the next day. Spoiler, they ripped the piss out of her. Yeah. I wasn't there, I'm just assuming. I would have. I mean, she takes a full minute to get the first section done. I don't know why this went so wrong, to be honest. I think she put some pieces that were slightly too short because the length some of these pieces were either too long or too short was a matter of centimetres. It wasn't obvious for all of them. But Mm -hmm. I think she used a couple of pieces that were too short at the beginning and when that caused problems later on, she didn't think to go back... And switch them out. And switch them out. She gets the track... 95% complete. There is one piece missing and she decides that's good enough. Typical PE teacher. She goes to the end and tries to pull the cart back and it won't move. She tries to unlock it with the key, which isn't meant for that, and it won't move. I think if I remember this game correctly, you take the cart all the way back, unlock it once, then you have to push it back to the other side, unlock it again, and that's when you get the crystal and you get out. Yeah. But she spends her last 30 seconds trying to pull a cart that is not going to move. And when she gets out, thankfully she doesn't get locked in, but <laughs> when she gets out, she says to Rick, Oh, well, well done. Hard luck. Never mind. Never mind. I was trying to pull the wagon, but it just wouldn't move from the wall. Well, the wagon won't move until you've put the last section of rail in. Otherwise, I might lose a wagon. I'd have to go in and get it out, wouldn't I? Paula looks sheepish like many of her pupils probably have when they come in last at cross-country. Yeah, I'm just kind of bitter about PE teachers. Apologies (laughs) to any PE teachers listening. I'm sure you're lovely. Okay, we've played four games here. We've played two zones. We've won two crystals. We've got Mandy locked in back in Future World. Uh, A decision regarding her we'll we'll make when we get to our next zone, where we're going right now. Okay, come on, this way. Okay, through here. Take your time over the stepping stones. Up the tunnel of that. Welcome, welcome to our third zone, Ocean World. I'll tell you a story. Okay. What's our situation here? We've got two zones played. This is our third zone. You've played seven games. You've won two crystals. And you've got a lock-in. Do you want to go and and buy Mandy out with one of these crystals? I think we do, yeah, definitely. Who's going to do that? On your back. Jerry. Will you, Jerry, go now and go back exactly the same way you came, down through the tunnel, out into Aztec, over the wall, down with the lift, to the cell, leave that in the cell, and then come back the same way, OK? So you go now and we'll, we'll take care of what, what we're going to do. Well, as we head into the ocean zone, we have got 10 seconds in the dome at the end of the show so far, but Mandy is still locked in. So let's hope they have a bit more luck in the ocean zone, which, as I said, was probably my favorite zone. I love the way that this looks. I love that it's all water-based challenges. I 
absolutely love Ocean Zone. Absolutely. After venturing through Richard's tunnel of love, things get a bit damp. <laughs> it oh, may gosh. not be a Dominic Diamond show, but God damn it, the Diamondisms still have a place on this podcast. So the Ocean Zone was a replacement to the Industrial Zone. The Industrial Zone was with us from the show's inception up until the start of this series, at which point it was replaced by the Ocean Zone. Now, I don't know why they chose to replace the specific Industrial Zone. My theory is it's because a lot of the Industrial Zone games kind of felt quite similar to the Futuristic Zone. That's what I was going to say, because I I know you said at the top of this uh, podcast that it was meant to represent modern day. I always felt that it was still kind of like a futuristic style thing. Yeah, it was meant to represent modern day if modern day was the industrial sections of Detroit from RoboCop. That that's exactly it. Yeah, like it feels like um like the future parts of the Terminator. Or it actually really felt like it felt like Quasar. Or in part the set of season two of Games Master. Yeah, a little bit. But dressed for the Red Dwarf episode with the Inquisitor on. Yeah. So lots of metal pipes, dangling chains, and barrels of questionable nature. But again, like as you say, like that's a futuristic style show. So it kind of makes sense that they want to change it up a little bit to make the zones feel different. And like, because this zone feels so different to the Aztec zone and to the futuristic zone and to the medieval one that we go to later. And all of those other three zones are run down a bit. I mean, medieval, it's medieval. Aztec, it's an abandoned, ruined Aztec village futuristic would never pass health and safety in this iteration there's so many loose wires and cables but this sunken ship the ss atlantis it's opulent there's sofas there's chandeliers i could live in this zone luke i would happily live in this zone (laughs) do you know what's not cool though is the story that richard has to tell which is we have played seven games but only won two crystals do we want to get mandy out at this point and paula makes the decision yeah Let's let's get her out. So they've taken away one of the crystals they've already won, and Jerry goes to bail Mandy out. And I like how he waited until this point to ask them to make the decision, because in the story of the show, at least, Jerry now has to go back the way they came through Richard's Tunnel of Love, across the stepping stones, then back through Aztec Zone, climb up a rope, down through the lift, back into Futuristic Zone, rescue Mandy, then bring her back up the lift, down the rope, cross the stepping stones, through the Tunnel of Love, back to Ocean Zone. Let's be real. He just walked off one side of the set, round to the other. They filmed him letting her out. Come on then, you sprung. They walked back again. I don't think they were sadistic enough to make them actually do the assault course, although part of me wants to believe that they did. While Jerry's off, it's Tim's time to shine. Maybe. He's down for a mystery game. Two minutes 30, and Tim is going fishing. Or by the stuff he's pulling up, I will assume canal fishing. Oh, Ash, this challenge. This w- this was a hard one to watch. This challenge is simple. You wind in the chain, an item comes up. It is a clue to a corresponding key on the wall that you have to hook with a fish hook like it's hook a duck. You unlock the item, you toss it in the water, because who cares? You then mm-hmm. are able to continue to wind the chain up, and after you remove three or four items, the next thing you bring up is the crystal. And Tim gets the idea fairly quickly. They tell him to start winding, and he starts winding. They point out it's a bicycle wheel. There's a bike seat on the wall. Grab that. Unfortunately, he then spends almost a minute or more trying to undo the padlock, and he just can't get it. He drops the wheel. He drops the key. He's getting frustrated. 
Oh, God, he gets so frustrated. And with 30 seconds left, so two minutes gone, he's finally rid of the tyre. Meanwhile, we see that Mandy has now been released. Come on, then you sprung. With Jerry going, I've come to spring you out. <laughs> it's a great Honestly, delivery of that. Yeah, the best bit of this game is us cutting away from the challenge to see Mandy being released. But the next thing that Tim pulls up is a toilet seat which either matches to a toilet on the wall or is representative of this team's chances for the rest of the show. Oh my God. It's so like when he finally gets that key unlocked, when he finally gets that padlock unlocked, he proper throws that wheel back into the water in frustration. I mean, you say like we, we saw Jerry rescue, Jerry springing um, Mandy. Come on then you sprung. But we did also get a little tell from Richard because he's trying to do up the boat. He's trying to do up the SS Atlantic. Well, what do you reckon? I think I've been doing rather well. I'm trying to bring it back to its former glory. Well, some of you, I know, own vintage motor cars, antiques of one sort or another, but to bring back an ocean-going liner to its former glory. I've only got the weekends. I'm not doing too badly, though. Quite pleased. Pride and joy. He's trying to restore it to its former glory, but he's only got weekends, so he's not doing too badly, really. No, he observes that some people own vintage motor cars or antiques, but this is this is his pride and joy. He's doing a lovely job. Only got the weekends. The maze doesn't run itself, you know. Now, it's at this point that one of my favourite moments of this episode is too visual to, disc- to really have on an audio podcast. But if you've seen us on Twitter, if you've been part of our Discord, you will have seen the screen share that I, <laughs> that I took from this episode because it's from this moment when Richard says to them, we need to play another game and capitalize on the role that we're on. And Tim pulls this face that suggests we are not on a roll. Paula laughs. Tim looks like someone's just taken a shit under his nose, which if that was canal water would be possible because he takes a mild dunk into it. He loses a leg. He jumps across and mistimes the jump. So he stood there crystalless with the image of a padlock and a bike tire seared into his mind and being mocked by Riff Raff from Rocky Horror. <laughs> The look on his face is actually, the look on his face sums up how most of us feel about the year 2020. Oh, it's so funny. I think you put together that little gif that just zooms in on his face. It proper made me laugh today. If you could have audio on a gif, which I believe is called video, (laughs) but if you could have audio on a gif, it would have been, hello, darkness, my (laughs) old friend. (laughs) Or the end of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I was about to say... Sod it, you know what? I'm going to extract the clip and I'm going to do that. By the time this episode goes out, I will post that video. Right, well, it's a mental game with Paula next. What's she doing, Ash? Bad, bad job. But no, (laughs) this challenge, she also does a bad job on. There's a map of the world on the wall with a time stated for GMT. There is a table with a bunch of other times on it. And there are slots in different locations around the world. And what she needs to do is match the times on the table to the slots on the wall for their relative time zones. And it goes wrong very, very quickly because she gets one of the first times wrong and it all goes downhill from there. And this is where we're once again reminded she's a PE teacher, not a geography teacher. Or or a maths teacher. And I'll be honest, I'd be fucked if we if I did this challenge, I wouldn't have a blues clue of where to start because I'm not good with numbers. I'm not great with time either. And like, I I think I would have made the exact same mistakes that she did. 
let's start. GMT reads 1643, yeah? Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a sign at the top of the map that says plus five, what's 1643 plus five hours? It's 2143. There we go. Bishop is 2243 in, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if they just had the country and a slot and you had to know what the time zone was, I'd be screwed as well. But they literally tell you the sums at the top of the map see if the whole numbers i'd be okay with it's when it was like 2.5 that's where i really would have struggled i'd have started with the whole numbers done all the whole numbers first and then you're just left with the halves it would be a process of elimination and she gets one of the first ones wrong and rick says two or three times i think one of them's wrong i think one of them's wrong i think that specific country right there which i'm telling you is wrong is wrong and her teammates say that country is wrong and do you know what she realises about 15 seconds before the end? It's wrong. That country is wrong. Yeah. Uh, I've said I've written it here. She's figured it out, but she's not going to do this. She leaves gutted. Still only got one crystal. Richard's starting to cry. Ten. 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 No. Nine. Now. I got that. Okay. <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. You've still got one crystal. What? Look on the bright side. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? To be honest, Richard is basically emoting what we're feeling at this point. Absolutely. But you know what? Mandy is back on the team. So let's so... give her a chance to get locked in again. <laughs> well, she's got a skill game. How long has she got for this skill game, though? This is a two-minute game, which essentially, this is a carnival game. Oh, yeah. This is water jet into a shark's mouth. Now, I've said water jet. I originally put piss (laughs) because it is a stream of water, constant, unless you shut it off, which she mostly doesn't. But you have to fill up the shark's mouth when it's open. The more water that you get into the shark's mouth spins a water wheel, raises the crystal. If you miss the shark's mouth or the shark's mouth is closed, all the water that goes into the runoff causes the water wheel to spin the other way. Crystal goes up. Crystal goes down. And that is the key to this failure because they work out far too late that I don't, I'm not even sure if they actually figure it out. I think Richard just tells them at the end. But she is just keeping it as a constant stream that she's going across. So it's going up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And oh man, by the end, she gets like itchingly close like i could feel myself being like like you're running out of time but i could feel it getting it's going up it's going up it's going up in the end she just decides to like i need to bail on this i'm not getting locked in for a second time and as she runs for the door rolls down the chute hits onto the floor and she leaves and she goes that sound was the crystal hitting the floor oh it's desperately close and rick says well at least you didn't get locked in (laughs) (laughs) do you know what it would have been hilarious she would have been the kenny of the crystal maze (laughs) first game locked in first game back locked in yeah and that's what he tells her, like, you know, all that explains what you did, all the water that you missed goes into the runoff and that makes the crystal go down. And it's almost like this collective, oh, oh, right. Yeah, that's why it was hard. But you know what, Ash? We've got one more task to redeem ourselves here. And it's Seema doing a physical game 
but and I don't really want to be saying this at this point. This is an automatic lock-in situation. It's an ALS. <laughs> to, to time travel into the future, this is an ALS. It's a two-minute 30 challenge, and essentially she has a prop shaft that she has to navigate. Now, Richard says it's an auto lock-in. Don't jump. You have to walk across. You have to work with the timing of the rotating propellers to be able to walk across. Don't jump. Luke, what isn't she meant to do? She's not meant to jump. Definitely don't jump. Well, remember don't that. Don't jump. Audience, Absolutely. remember, don't jump. Do not jump. So she walks across. She waits for the timing. She carefully goes across the platforms. She is then... Shits, com- herself, when the, shits herself when the steam comes out, though. <laughs> As would you, because that goes right up. <laughs> yeah. And the best thing is, that steam is kind of a stagehand. That's someone yeah. waiting until she's in the right place going, we got to make this team more exciting. Woof it up. And they woof it up. But she gets to the end. And this is where the time that this episode was filmed and takes place comes into play. Because what she has is a clear perspex shaft, for want of a better word, Mm -hmm. with a number of Allen bolts in it, holding the crystal up. So it's kind of like a deliberate kaplunk. You've got to remove the bolts, the crystal drops down, you get the crystal, and then you have to make your way walking back along the propeller shaft. Walking. Because, Ash, what is she not supposed to do? She's not supposed to jump, Luke. That's the one thing she's not meant to do. If she jumps, what happens? Bad things might happen. She might get hurt. Also, an automatic lock-in. Well, that's it. And So the the key to this challenge is you've got to get across, you've got to get the crystal, but have enough time to get back walking in order to get back safely so you don't get automatically locked in. If you jump, it's an auto lock-in. If you fall off, it's also an automatic lock-in and also possibly death. Yeah, absolutely. So she gets to the other side and she gets the Allen key to unscrew these things. And this was my point about the time because she looks at the Allen key and she looks at the bolt and she immediately does not know what to do because this is before Ikea became the mainstay of British culture that it is now. Now, Ikea was present in the UK at this point. They opened their first store here in 1987, but it wasn't at the level it is today where Ikea is a cultural phenomenon. It's a punchline to jokes, and everyone knows that with Ikea, you get a little Allen key. Oh, people are dr- There are houses that are drowning in Allen keys at this point. But when you actually need one, you can never find it. Yeah, it's a good job that one always comes with the next thing that you've bought. Absolutely. But this was clearly a point before everyone had put together a Billy bookshelf because she at first does not know what to do with this Allen key. And the smartest advice that this team says in this entire episode is mostly ignored, which is loosen it with the Allen key and then undo it the rest of the way with your hands. Now, what I would have done, I'd have loosened the first bolt. Then I'd have loosened the second, the third, the fourth and the fifth. And when they were loose, da-da-da-da, pull out with hand, da-da-da-da, pull out with hand. Yes. You get all the Allen key work done at once. Now, I know that's easy for me to say because one, I'm not in the room. Two, it was 30 odd years ago. But it seems like the logical thing to do. And also, I would like to point out that when I did do the Crystal Maze experience, I did win one of my games that actually (laughs) involved undoing bolts. So I've got a little bit of prior here. (laughs) I bollocks the other game. (laughs) But I got the one involving boats, so that's where I'm speaking of experience from. However, she unfortunately doesn't, and she uses way too much time. And Richard once again points out she's got to have enough time to 
not jump across. To walk back with the timing of the propeller shaft. And there is a point where with 20 seconds left on the clocks, she still has not left. She still has not even started to walk back across the prop shaft. And at 10 seconds, what does she do, Luke? She bloody jumps it, Ash. She jumps all the way back. And clearly Richard, whether he saw it or not, has the director in the earpiece going, she jumped, she fucking jumped. She didn't just jump once, she jumped four times. Richard, she she jumped. You told her not to jump. I know you told her not to jump. We all know. Can we send for the child of five? The child of five knows not to jump. So Richard says to her, what, what, what did you do in there? Did you jump? Did you get your hands up there? Did you jump? Just oh, there, I did, yeah. You mustn't jump. You mustn't jump. It's far too dangerous. I'm going to give it to you, but I, that, that would be a lock-in, an automatic lock-in. I mean, you could really hurt yourself. Seriously, do some serious damage to yourself. Oh, well, never mind. You're safe. Did you jump? And she's like, yeah, at the end. No, you jumped all the way back. And he tells her off. He scolds her, saying that should have been an automatic lock-in or you could have ended up really getting hurt. Yeah, he really tells her off. Which, I'll be honest, makes the sympathy that he will show them shortly even more astounding because at this point, I'd have been, no, write them off. It would be even better if they get to the dome with no crystals because then we just send them home. (laughs) It is worth pointing out, actually, that this team, as they are a team, none of them knew each other before this. Teams were randomly assigned. There was no connecting string. I reckon they must have drawn straws as to who was the team captain. Or there was some sort of aptitude test. Yeah, I think so as well. We've only got one crystal still, but we're travelling on, hopefully, aren't we? Onward and upward, as we said earlier on, on leaving our first zone, in fact. Now we're going to leave our penultimate zone and go into our final zone. This way. Medieval. Okay. New Glade Plugins Air Freshener. Plug it in, plug it in. It keeps on fragrancing your room without you even knowing it's there. Plug it in, plug it in. New Glade Plugins freshens for 30 days by gently warming this refill cartridge. Try Glade Plugins. Plug it in. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Churchill could save you money on your car insurance. Call one of our people now and see how much you could save. You'll be surprised. Call Churchill free on 0800 200 300 for an instant quote, even instant cover. Right? That's right. Free on 0800 200 300. Call Churchill now and see how much you could save. Free on 0800 200 300. I love making an entrance downstairs, don't you? So flattering. <laughs> I wanted to sing Hello Dolly every time I come down there. Yes, how many more are we? Any more? Two more. Two more? What's happened to them? The OA feet. Any more? And, 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 yes. Come on in! Here we go! Final zone! I don't know what's been going on here. Oh, my God. If Mumsy comes time. in and sees this, she's going to be furious. Oh, I better clean that up afterwards. OK, guys, our final zone, and we're going to play... I think with the way time's been running, I think we're going to get about three games in here at least. It'd be nice if we can get four in, but we'll get at least three, OK? Play three zones, we've got one crystal only, five seconds of time. It's nothing. <laughs> we may as well give it to charity, that crystal, I think, quite frankly. OK? But what do we find when we get there? Oh, the table's a right old mess. Now, this is where Mumsy lives, but it is also generally considered in-world as the homestead of the Maze Master. So while the Ocean Zone may be his unique fixer-upper opportunity of a weekend, maybe so he can have his own swinging bachelor pad, this is where he lives with his Mumsy, who we don't see in this episode, but she is referred to because he reckons she'll be mad when she sees the state of this place. He's going to have to tidy it up later, unfortunately. This is why he only gets weekends to work on his on his pet project. It's shocking. I'm really sad, Luke. But Ash, do you know what? We're going to get at least three games in this zone. So there is a possibility that this team is going to walk away with a maximum of 20 seconds inside the dome. So let's hope they can get there. Yeah, because they've got one crystal, five seconds of time. And Richard says at this point, they may as well give it to charity. (laughs) (laughs) For all the good, it will do them. Well, let's see if they fare any better. Chris is up next with a mystery game. Now, he's got prior. He did balls up the weights thing, but he also won them a crystal. He certainly did. But this is a two minutes, 30 second game and is essentially a giant version of one of those little metal ball puzzle games like you find in various party bags at children's parties all across the 80s and 90s and also frequently on cereal packets, including a set themed around Games Master. That's exactly it. And the Crystal Maze. Yeah, so you've got to stand up on this giant thing and you've got to rock it round to get this crystal through this maze. And once again, Chris does the very smart thing 
and ignores all of the advice that's being shouted at him because he knows the path. He can see the path. At one point, someone says like, do you know where you're going? And he's like, nope, but I'll work that out. Wait a minute, Luke. How meta is this? We're watching the Crystal Maze and it's a Crystal Maze. <laughs> that's true. Mazeception. <laughs> But you know what? He makes great progress. He works out that he needs to move his body. He's got to work that hip action. He's got the rope to hold on to. He's like a pole dancer on this. He's got some moves and he makes them work. He only really takes one dead end and mm -hmm. he rectifies course. And with 15 seconds left, he gets a jumbo sized crystal in his paw and he's out the door. Ash, I have got to tell you, at this point of the show, I was so invested in this team. I really wanted the, to see this team succeed. This was like a pure underdog story thing. They started off so badly and it did not get better in the second zone and it did not get better in the third zone. But there was a part of me that was like, this is the team. I love this team. I want to see this team do well. Oh, they weren't even an underdog. This was old Yeller. These guys were half a step away from being shot out back. But I get where you're coming from, because if they're going to go in with more than one crystal, you want them to have a fighting chance. And in the Crystal Dome, 20 seconds is the definition of a fighting chance. That is make or break time. It's just enough time to do something that will make an impact. And we want this team <laughs> to make an impact. So that makes up for all the ones you didn't get. Yeah. It's, it's not more, but it's bigger. <laughs> While this is a supersized crystal, it's still only worth five seconds of time. Oh, yeah. Although in the revival, the super crystal will mm. come into play. You can choose any game except your first to be a super crystal game. And that will give you the chance. I think that's worth 10 seconds. So it's a double bonus. That came back in the revival and was also used in the American version of the show, which was filmed on the same standing set as the revival. Well, let's see if we can keep that momentum going. Mandy is back once again. She came really, really close in the ocean zone. Let's see if she can get it here. What's she got to play, Ash? It's a two-minute skill game, and what she has to do is she has to roll cannonballs down a ramp that includes a loop and knock bars on a rotor that will cause the rotor to turn and winch up a crystal to a point where it will roll down a path. She'll be able to catch it or pick it up five seconds of time. It's like a weird kind of bowling game. It is also very carny. And by that, I mean carnival games. And that's what Absolutely, a lot of the yeah. Crystal Maze games were. They were kind of carnival standards with a bit of set dressing. Not that that's a bad thing, because it also did give you the inkling as the person at home that this is something you could do. And you will oh, yeah. probably do it better than the team, even though... I'll be honest, we've thrown some shade at this team. This is fairly cathartic because normally we don't punch down, but this team kind of had it coming. We, for all the shade we are throwing, we'd probably cock most of this up. I'd have done so poorly at a lot of this. As I say, down the line, Luke, when it gets safe, <laughs> let's go Crystal Maze crazy. Let's go to that Crystal Maze experience. Let's put our money where our mouth is on that one. But you know who doesn't do badly? Mandy. Because Mandy works out. It takes her a little while, but she works out that you can aim these uh, little loop-de-loop -loop things. She works it out because Rick literally reaches through the door and goes, look, they move. <laughs> and then he spends a lot of time dusting the set cobwebs off his jacket. Yes, but you know, she's wasted a minute at the start of this, not getting it right. 
and then Richard pointed out to her. But after that, absolutely nails it through, gets another crystal. That's three. That's three crystals now. That's 15 seconds. They need one more for a fighting chance. And who's going to take that final fighting chance? My boy, Jerry. Your my man, boy, Jerry. My man, Jerry's up next playing a physical game. It's a two minute, 30 seconds. And it's another maze in the crystal maze. That's two mazes in the crystal maze containing crystals, Luke. This one's slightly different. It involves metal walls that can be moved. And on the way to the crystal, which is in a cage, he has to carry a literal ball and chain through the maze. Once he's through the maze, which involves moving lots of these sliding metal bar doors, he has to unlock the crystal cage, take it all the way back to the beginning where another key will release the crystal. And he now follows what we've worked out is the most successful strategy for this team in that he ignores everything they say. Oh yeah, he is just barreling through this. Including the great question of... Where are you going to? Do you know? Hey, do you know where you're going to? Yeah, I'm going to the cage. Do you know where you're going? To which he says, (laughs) yes, to the crystal. (laughs) But he gets to the crystal. He's got plenty of time. He unlocks the cage with the crystal in. He carries it all the way back. He is moving like a man possessed. He knows the route he came. He doesn't waste a second of time. He's sensible. And the one solid piece of advice they offer him is take the gloves off for the second one, which he does. So yes. He's not fumbling the key because opening padlocks with gloves on is difficult, as we saw earlier. So there he is. The clock's counting down. It's 30 seconds. It's 15 seconds. He gets the padlock. He opens it up and the crystal falls into the fog on the floor and he comes out and the team are all ray and he says i didn't get it it fell on the floor (laughs) he couldn't find it it just rolled over the heart The heart is the, the, the doorstep. It just, just rolled over the doorstep. Oh, that, that was a piece. Wasn't that a stroke of love? And Richard, in the sympathy fuck of the night, reaches in and grabs a crystal and goes, It rolled over the hearth, over the doorstep. It rolled out. It counts. It was heartbreaking to see Jerry pull this thing back, unlock it, and the the crystal just fall to the ground. Honestly, it feels like there is a good 10 to 15 seconds where he is just fumbling around on the floor trying to find this contact lens that he's dropped because they've opened the door for him already because they're like, well, he's got it. He's pretty much nailed it. And he's just there on the ground scrambling to find this thing before falling out the door. They'd be like, nope, I didn't get it. I'm not sure if this was the producers going, get them the crystal or Richard just went, (laughs) Fuck it, because I've Ooh. run out of things to vamp. I can't vamp on the harmonica anymore because it is worth pointing out throughout this entire episode, anytime serious concentration is needed by the team, Richard whips out his mouth organ and gives it a good toot with his excitement <laughs> music, which I love and it made me laugh all the harder. Okay, guys, you came, you came with nothing. <laughs> but you've got four crystals. 20 seconds. 20 seconds of time. Oh. It's not a great deal of time, but, you know, with the way your luck's running at the moment, who knows? Anything's possible. So why don't you come with me now? <laughs> to the crystal, crystal A 16-foot 
geometric dome that was built in Paris and was used to base the entire set around. There's a central console with buttons that operate the drawbridge and the doors, receptacles to hold the crystals. There are way more receptacles here than are ever used in the show, and this team's no exception, only occupying four of the possible time slots. But what happens is the team go across the drawbridge, holding onto the handrails, because this thing rises up out of a moat of water, Something that was missing from the revival because health and safety is a thing in 2019. Also, don't jump this one as well, Seema. Fucking hell, do not jump. It was a simple instruction, Luke. God's (laughs) sake. Well, there they are, four crystals equaling 20 seconds of time inside the crystal dome. I'm going to bring the drawbridge up. And when it comes up, I'm going to open the door and you can go inside. You have to collect as many gold credits as you possibly can. Over 100 gold after deductions. And by that, I mean any silver ones you collect... For every silver one you collect, one gold one will be deducted from your total. In you go. Hold on to the rail. But they go into the crystal dome. There is a mesh floor with fans underneath it. There are foil tokens. Some are silver, some are gold. And they have the time that they've won to grab as many of the gold tokens and as few of the silver tokens as possible, shove them through a letterbox. And if they get more than 100, Luke, oh, prizes, prizes, experiences. That's the thing. The prizes are not you've got a car or you've won a speedboat, or you've won a tease made. Their experiences, skydiving, motocross, rough rambling, wing walking. Yeah, I feel that with the Crystal Maze, it was more about going on the show and doing the challenges and being a part of that experience than it was actually beating the Crystal Maze. Well, I think it had to be, because how many teams actually properly beat the Crystal Maze? Not many. I mean, less than five. I'm keeping that joke running. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so you mentioned that you've got to get 100 gold tickets, but for every silver one that you put in, that takes a point off you, basically. So you need to get a lot of those gold tickets through. And there we get the line of the episode. Will you start the fans, please? And the fans start, and the whistle is blown. He's wished them luck, because as he says, they're going to need it. And... 20 seconds is just enough time to get a good tickle of the Crystal Maze music. 30 seconds is ideal. 45 seconds, you're in for a party because that music is infectious. 20 seconds, it's, I mean, obviously it doesn't sound like a lot of time. And when you watch them in the Crystal Maze and you watch those things count down, bloody hell, it's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time at all. And no sooner has it started than Well, it looks pretty impressive, doesn't it? But it's not. But you are record breakers because you've got 133 gold. But you've got 199 silver, giving you a grand non-total of minus 66. Yes! I'm impressed. You are record breakers. (laughs) I think that's pretty marvellous. You you could take one of these home with you. You'd like to pass it along to the end there. And it says, I cracked the crystal maze. Thank you. Which is a bit of a fib, but we don't mind. (laughs) I will say this. They had a proper old giggle in there. They did. It is fun. As I said, I've done this. It's fun. Especially when the music's playing, you are thinking, I'm in the crystal maze. (laughs) And it doesn't matter whether it's Richard O'Brien being your guide. We had a guy called Bob. She was lovely. She was great. Mm. And it's so much fun. But we get to the end. The tickets have been pulled out and they've been counted. And Richard says, well, it looks pretty impressive, doesn't it? But it's not. However, you are record breakers. 
Luke, do you have the stats on this? I do indeed. They have 133 gold. So wow! It's not, it, it's not looking great already because you need 100 to win. No, 133 and... gold is impressive in 20 seconds, Luke. I mean, that's impressive. What could be more impressive than 133 gold in 20 seconds, Luke? 199 pieces of silver. Now, my math isn't bad, nor is Rick's, because that means they scored negative 66. Minus 66. And they giggle and they had a good time at the very least. And they each get given a crystal that says, I cracked the crystal maze. Though Richard says, I think that's a bit of a fib. The collectible crystal is the sad hand job of the show. They are record breakers because that is the highest negative score that they've had on the show up until that point. Although, spoilers, it is broken a few episodes later. Again. (laughs) Yeah. I did say at the beginning, Paula, didn't I, that it was a kind of rites of passage, a spiritual journey, and I think it is. I think it has been for you chaps. I think tomorrow you're going to a brand new world. Different people changed, moved by this experience you've shared here today. And I, I think that's rather nice. I do. And that's a nice sentiment to end it on, because realistically, given how they performed, that's about the nicest it's going to get. And Richard says that he'll see us next week. Stay tuned. Otherwise, he'll miss us. And do you know what happened as a result of him saying that? I immediately watched episode four. I was like, no, no, I want to, I want to, I want to stay. I want to stay and play. You never hit it and quit it with the crystal maze. You've got to stay and play. (laughs) I text you this morning. That episode of the crystal maze was a fucking banger. It had pretty much everything you need for the quintessential crystal maze experience. You had the underdog team. You had the team that were just crap. You had the redemption cycle of them actually getting a fighting chance and then ballsing it up beyond all comparison. And I want to give a quick shout out to my partner, Sol, because I was saying to Sol that we're doing this. It won against Gladiators. We ideally needed an episode from Circa 93. And I said, I want it to be one we can have a lot of fun with. And Sol, they recommended this episode. And by God, did it deliver on every possible level. Now, I just want to say, I don't know what the runtime of this episode will be, but we have talked solidly about this episode (laughs) for one hour 37 minutes and you know what my throat's hurting oh yeah this is now almost three hours of recording solid because we preceded this with an interview yeah and i am so g'd up i wish i had notes for another episode because i could keep going i could do this i could do this all over this was so much fun to talk about i'm so beyond thrilled that this won the first patreon poll I'm so beyond thrilled that this was the episode we got to do. So thank you very much, Sol. Oh my God, Ash, I had such a blast with just not just watching this episode, but then reviewing it beat by beat with you has really, like, it's been so much fun. It's been fun. And I'm not going to lie. We made the gentleman's agreement with Games Master that we don't punch down because kids are kids. And I, generally speaking, will not take the piss out of kids. Everyone on the Crystal Maze is a consenting adult and they knew what they were getting into. <laughs> and, oh, I feel like I've got two seasons of snark out of my system. <laughs> this is like the podcast equivalent of colonic irrigation. I feel cleansed, Luke. <laughs> how are we going to rate this? What are we going to rate this as? We're going to rate this, like, how many gold tokens is this worth? <laughs> I mean, this is a winning episode. This has got to be over 100 tokens. This is probably the 150 plus token bracket. This is the wing walking or flying experience with the red arrows level tier. This is an actual experience that will possibly surpass 
the experience had in the crystal maze i yeah i had so so much fun reviewing the show and we hope that you very much enjoyed listening to it and we will be back again uh possibly later on this month early next month with our next patreon exclusive under consultation extra and please do stay tuned for that because if you don't we'll miss you (laughs) blackmail luke it works We'll have a poll up later this month to find out what show we're going to do next. We'll probably have the similar ones that we had last time, so the like Fun House will be in there as well, along with the Crypto Factor. But we'll have we won't have the Crystal Maze in for a, a second month. We'll find we'll, we'll have a, a different winner for next one. I look forward to seeing what we cover next. I have a suspicion it might be Gladiators. It yeah, got if so Gladiators close. is in the poll, I think Gladiators is likely going to win. Yeah, and you know what? I am excited to cover that as well because. While Crystal Maze had one banging piece of music, Gladiators had a whole bunch of them. And I've got them all on tape, Luke. They're all on here. They're all on cassette. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. The first, the inaugural episode of Under Consultation Extra. Thank you all so much for being awesome backers on Patreon. We love each and every one of you. Have you got any parting words of wisdom, Ash? Walk, don't jump. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.